My name is Laura Dawn, and you're listening to episode number 21 of the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast, featuring my conversation with former UFC Hall of Famer turned psychedelic advocate, Rashad Evans. And when I did the toad, that experience was, um, it was mind blowing. It was earth shattering. It was, you know, it was, it was a complete conscious shift. When you do an entheogen, as powerful as the toad, it breaks that ceiling of consciousness where you start feeling a different kind of consciousness altogether, where you start to feel the totality of everything, the oneness. And, um, it's really a feeling that is is indescribable. You know, it's one of the most indescribable but most familiar feelings ever that I ever had. You know, I, I, I had, it was so unfamiliar, but at the same time, I know I, I felt it before. I know I felt it so many times. I know it was, I know it was home. I, fe- I felt this uh, homecoming. And in that instant or in those few instances of, of, uh, of doing that toad, you know, existence was crystallized for me. It, it was, I understood. I understood what I forgot. And, and I'm not saying I know the, 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 the depth of existence, but I, I can say this. I know that we're consciousness. And I know that this physical body is just a manifestation of this conscious experience that I'm having. You know, and, and we seem to have it kind of twisted in reality to the fact that we think that this conscious, this physical experience is birthed in this conscious experience, but it's really the other way around, you know? And that's something I can never forget. That's something that, that's just entrenched in, in, in my identity of who I am now. And, and we've become spiritually poor because we cult, cultivated everything that was material. And we can't find any satisfaction in that. You know, and I feel like there's a rebirth that's coming, a rebirth of conscience, a rebirth of reconnectedness, you know, uh, with humanity and, and its soul. You know, I've had some of my, my biggest like um, breakthroughs on mushrooms. And, you know, when I say breakthroughs, I'm just talking about that, that perspective you get when, when you're facing a problem or facing a series of problems and you really just can't see around it and then boom, you do a mushroom and then all of a sudden you got the answers to the test like you knew it all along, you know? You know, also psychedelic leadership to me, you know, is, is not, it's not being judgmental. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, not, it's not having, coming from this paradigm mind thinking it has to be this way, it has to be that way. You know, you have a, a leniency with it because, you know, that's, that's what the psychedelics teach you. It teaches you that there's, you know, to, to, to release the control. Well, as Bob Dylan said, times, they are changing, especially in the psychedelic movement, where we now have people as prominent as Rashad Evans, who was inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame in 2019 and is a former light heavyweight champion, now leveraging his influence to speak out and share his story about how psychedelics have so greatly impacted his life in such a positive way. And for someone like me, who's been journeying with psychedelics since I was a kid, really, I mean, I was just in my early teens when I started diving deep with these medicines. 
And so I genuinely feel like psychedelics have hand raised me and forged me and shaped me into the woman I am today and have so greatly influenced my life, every aspect of my life. You know, I practically live outside on my land in Hawaii, immersed in nature, you know, as I'm sure you can hear the bird songs coming through in every episode. So sometimes I just feel a little too close to the way that psychedelics have so profoundly influenced my life. But when I hear stories like this one, like Rashad's, who had his first experience later in life and just the contrast from living a life defined by fame as a professional fighter and material possessions and money and all that brings with it, as he shares in this episode, towards a life defined by inner exploration of consciousness and a genuine desire for connection and healing, I mean, you can't help but think, wow, and be reminded of the radical transformation that psychedelics can catalyze in people's lives. And so it's like over the past number of decades, there's been this quiet revolution happening, transpiring in the underground. And as fringe as it was then before all the research has come out about the profound healing potential of psychedelics and plant medicines, you know, many of us intuitively knew that psychedelics could truly change the world. And now, well, the cat is out of the bag. And so I absolutely want to be sharing and showcasing conversations like this on this podcast. And of course, there are ramifications to the growing popularity and consumption of plant medicines. And so it almost feels like, for me anyways, like it would be irresponsible to elevate these conversations without pointing to this other side as well. And one of the other sides is a conversation around sustainability, because there's no denying that when people like Rashad Evans and Mike Tyson, who's also been openly sharing about his toad experiences, and we talk a little bit about that in this episode because Rashad is friends with Mike, and with shows like Psychedelica and Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia reaching millions of people now, that we're going to continue to obviously witness an exponential demand for these mind-altering experiences that I do believe are so needed. I mean, I think our entire Western culture can really benefit from a collective altered state of consciousness and help us shake out of these deeply entrenched and old ways of living and being that we know do not serve us anymore. And Tim Ferriss wrote a recent article titled, An Urgent Plea to Users of Psychedelics. Let's Consider a More Ethical Menu of Plants and Compounds. And I'll link to that article in the show notes. And if you haven't yet read it, it is worth reading. And there have been a whole subset of interesting conversations that have spawned from that article. And ultimately, I think we need to be having these conversations and looking for creative ways to come together and protect and support the things that we love and that help us grow, not because they serve our purpose, but because they are inherently a part of nature and we are inherently connected to nature. And so this notion has birthed this idea that's in the slow cooking phase right now where I'm putting together a small team to help build an app called Grow Medicine. And we want to encourage people in Western culture to make it common practice like second nature to open up the app before or after they journey and donate to replant the medicine that they just consumed or support conservation efforts in the case of the toad, kind of like Patreon for plant medicines. 
And I think this is the kind of psychedelic leadership we really need right now. So if anyone's interested in joining forces to support this Grow Medicine project, please feel free to reach out through my website, livefreelauraD.com. And so in the case of psilocybin, where people have been really receiving a lot of benefit and transformational healing from journeying with sacred mushrooms... We've been having conversations about what giving back could look like, and I think it would be interesting to help support community initiatives where these sacred mushrooms have come from. And I also think it would be interesting to help support other nonprofit organizations like Unlimited Sciences that are helping to fund psilocybin research by partnering with Johns Hopkins. So many people have heard about the psilocybin research coming out of Johns Hopkins University, but less people are aware that it's actually unlimited sciences that helps to fund that research. And part of the reason I want to highlight unlimited sciences here is because that's how this interview with Rashad Evans happened, because we both have mutual friend Del Jolly, who's the co-founder of Unlimited Sciences. And one thing I love is that they've been finding creative solutions to elevate their platform for raising awareness and also raising money to help fund psychedelic research. So they've gathered together this phenomenal group of influencers that they call The Circle, and I feel very honored to be included in that circle alongside some very influential people who all feel called to use their platforms to share their experiences with psychedelics and help destigmatize this movement, which I think is now happening much faster than anyone could have imagined. And so thank you, Dell, for all the work you're doing with Unlimited Sciences. And you'll hear Rashad reference Dell a couple of times in this conversation. So that's who he's talking about. And so I encourage you to follow Unlimited Sciences on Instagram and sign up for their newsletter at unlimitedsciences.org. And so just as a little teaser, there is some really amazing content that's going to be dropped pretty soon featuring Rashad Evans. And I can't exactly tell you what that is, but if you follow Unlimited Sciences, you'll find out as soon as that content is released. Okay, so just a couple of more brief things before we dive in. I've expanded the group for the Microdosing Mastermind, my three-month program coming up this June, July, and August, to include a couple of more spots. And I'm so thrilled to have such a phenomenal group coming together for this, which really just feels like my family of visionary creative entrepreneurs on the plant medicine path gathering for this very special mastermind. So I have integration coaches, microdosing coaches, transformational coaches who are interested in introducing microdosing with their own clients and weaving together other modalities. I have some guides, retreat facilitators in the plant medicine space. I mean, you get the picture. People in the plant medicine path who are really up-leveling their offerings. And so this program is for you if you want to really go beyond the basics and deepen your microdosing practice as a visionary tool to tap into flow, unlock your creative potential, and expand your reach of positive influence. And of course, connect with a network of other thought leaders and change makers, warriors of the heart tribe who are just like you. So applications are still open, which you can find at livefreelauraD.com on the Microdosing Mastermind tab. And if you happen to be new to microdosing and you're not sure where to start, you can swipe my free eight-day microdosing course alongside my free playlist for psychedelic journeys and beyond. One playlist, which is great for microdosing morning flows. 
And if you're wanting to cultivate more of a solo practice with psychedelics, I do recommend checking out my free guide on how to have a safe psychedelic journey at home, which at the very least encourages the support of a trip sitter. Also, if you want to deepen in your education, I highly recommend checking out this course called Sacred Journey Work, created by Julian Vane and Jasper from the Fungi Academy. And I've added resources like this one that I've personally looked at, I've watched the videos, I've read through their content, and I really feel like this is a solid resource for people. And that link is on the new resources tab on my website, livefreelauraD.com, where I'll continue adding recommended resources just like this. And you can receive a discount on this course with a discount code you'll find on that page. Okay, now, oh my goodness, you guys. Okay, I'm going to be leaving this episode off with a song that I've been freaking obsessed with lately. I mean, like literally listening to it on repeat. And I've been so excited to feature it in an episode. And it's called Walk With Me by Goldford. And I can't wait for you to hear it. And feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at D and let me know what you think. Okay, so let's dive into this episode, and I just want to express that I found Rashad to be kind-hearted, genuine, well-spoken, and thoughtful, and I really appreciated my time with him. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with former UFC champion Rashad Evans. Welcome, Rashad Evans. Thank you so much for taking the time to drop in with me today on the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast. You know, we tried to get together and try to talk before, but it's finally good to, you know, finally make it uh, come and happen. Yeah. So I'd love to just dive right in. I'd, I'd love to give you the opportunity to just share your story and share with listeners how you went from being a UFC champion to now stepping out as a psychedelic advocate and speaking very publicly about your psychedelic experiences. You know, um, it, you know, as a fighter, uh, I was always a cerebral fighter. Like I've always been one of those fighters who, who thought a lot, you know, and, um, you know, being a psychology major and graduating from Michigan state, I was just always just perplexed by the mind. And, um, towards the end of my career, I was feeling like I was just spinning my tires, you know, my last several fights under contract with the UFC. It just wasn't, it just wasn't me, you know, I mean, it's one thing to lose, but it's another thing to just go out there and just not, perform to your utmost abilities and um fighting to me was just it was it was such a part of who I was it was such a part of my soul it was almost as if like part of my spirit was was expressed when I got to fight you know so I felt like a part of my spirit wasn't being expressed if I couldn't fight so um towards the end of my career I was actually thinking you know this this could be the end and I was trying to figure out like what what was going on, why I wasn't competing the way I wanted to, but I was just feeling like something was just pulling at me, you know, like a deeper pull, like a deeper, uh, a deeper meaning of life type of pull, you know? And, um, you know, I was coming up on that cusp of, uh, 40 years old, you know, being, uh, like I started feeling like this when I was 38 years old and, you know, just kind of like continue for like the next few years after 38. But when it first initially hit me around 38 years old, I was just kind of like, all right, you know, I was successful in mixed martial arts and, and I've been successful in other areas, but, you know, I was like, well, what, what did it all mean, you know, and, and what was what was it all about? And, you know, I just started questioning a lot of things in life that I never questioned before. And um, 
you know, during that time, that's when I ran into Dell. And Dell, um, you know, he told me about a medicine that he did that was called the toad. And he told me about this outer world experience where he was just like, you know, blown out of his body and just, you know, he, you know, he just had like, he described this insane experience. And at the time, like, you know, I was, I was going through it, you know, I was going through that place where, you know, it was just, I just wanted to figure out like what was going on with me. I wanted to figure out like what, what life really had to offer because it wasn't always, it wasn't about what I thought it was, you know, it wasn't about, you know, it wasn't about the women. It wasn't about the expensive, you know, uh, clothes or cars or just the extravagance of life. It wasn't about having money. It wasn't about all those things that I thought life was about. So there I was, you know, I'm just trying to figure it out. And when Dale told me about this medicine, I was like, man, I got to try this. It's just, this is just something that I need to try. It, it, you know, I just was feeling like if I don't try this, then I don't know if I ever figure out what's going on. So it was um, after my last fight, uh, I went out and I lost my last fight. And, you know, it, it was still that same thing. Like I thought maybe, you know, after that fight, you know, it'll be crystallized in my mind, like what I should do next. Like what, what was my future going to be? And um, I still had no answer. So then I, I hit up down like, yo, Del, man, I want to, I want to figure some things out. And uh, they just luckily were having, they were having a ceremony at the time, a toad ceremony. So I jumped on the opportunity and, uh, and, and did it with them. And, you know, there's a bit of reluctance because, you know, at the time, you know, I only tried a little bit of mushrooms here and there, and I was kind of experimenting with mushrooms a bit. So I kind of felt like the kind of feeling how you feel, like when you're starting to feel, um, the subtle, the subtleness of existence, right. You know, how like the mushrooms, mushrooms just kind of just like pull you out of, out of our daily life and just kind of makes you see the subtle things that you just overlook when you're, you know, when you're not on mushrooms. Right. So I started to, you know, have some familiarity with that just by using mushrooms, but it was nothing on the grand scale, like the month, like the toad was going to be. So I had a little bit of apprehension. I had a little bit of nerves and, um, and, uh, I did it. I did the toad. And when I did the toad, that experience was, um, it was mind blowing. It was earth shattering. It was, you know, it was, it was a complete conscious shift. You know, um, I've heard about this, you know, this veil of consciousness that we all have. Right. And I really never understood. I'm like, what, what does it mean is veil of consciousness? But I didn't really understand it until I had that medicine and really understood what that veil of consciousness was. And what I discovered was that veil of consciousness was just our understanding of what consciousness is, right? You know, we understand consciousness one way, being a human beings, you know, being human being and having our human experience, we understand consciousness to be this. But when you do an entheogen, as powerful as the toad, it breaks that ceiling of consciousness where you start feeling a different kind of consciousness altogether, where you start to feel the totality of everything, the oneness. And um, it's really a feeling that is, is indescribable. You know, it's one of the most indescribable, but most familiar feelings ever that I ever had. You know, I, I, I had, it was so unfamiliar, but at the same time, I know I felt it before. I know I felt it so many times. I know it was, I know it was home. I, fe I felt this uh, homecoming. And in that instant or in those few instances of, of, uh, of doing that toad, you know, existence was crystallized for me. 
it, it was, I understood. I understood what I forgot. And um, when I came back to my body, just being able to know I had that experience, just being able to know that that was inside of me, just being able to know that was just something that was, that I'm a part of, even though I wasn't able to keep everything that I experienced, I still had the fragrance, the fragrance of, of that, of that place, of that, of that conscious experience. And uh, it forever changed my life. After that, I could not see life the same way anymore. Mm. What would you say are some of the biggest changes, the biggest immediate changes you saw ripple out and influence your life? Um, you know, it was, it was kind of like, uh, it was like once that whole situation happened with, with the toad experience, it was like a domino effect of all the things. And I, the best way to say it is I just lost vices. You know, I lost vices that, that didn't serve me anymore. And before the experience, I didn't, they weren't a problem. I didn't see them as a problem, but there was just something that I would, that I did, you know, and one of those things was, um, you know, I would drink alcohol, you know, and after I had that experience, I just completely lost the taste to drink alcohol. And then not only did I lose the taste, I even lost the ability to metabolize alcohol. Like if I drink it, I, I, I became violently sick off of just like one or two sips. It was almost as if like I became allergic to it, you know, and then, you know, not only that, like, um, you know, um, you know, you know, I was kind of a ladies' man a bit, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, I, 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 I kind of lost that whole interest to even talk to any other woman like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I'm, it was kind of like a, I wouldn't say I was a womanizer or maybe I was, I don't know. I don't know. I, I was, I was a professional athlete that had a lot of women that come, come to me, you know what I'm saying? So it was, uh, um, you know, at times it could have been, you know, it, it was, uh, it was a difficult thing to manage at times, you know, especially being in relationships and things like that. And um, it just wasn't, it just wasn't a good part of my character, you know, it wasn't really something I was proud of. And, and it was something that, you know, um, you know, it's like a man code type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just this little cultural thing that men have sometimes where we, we rationalize that kind of behavior, you know, but then once I did that, the toad, it was, um, there was no rationalizing it. It was, it was as if like, it wasn't even about me doing it to somebody else. It was about me doing it to myself. You know, I didn't want that feeling for myself, you know? And um, it just completely changed the dynamics of just the way I conceptually thought about myself and other people. You know, I, I didn't have that, that distinction of, you know, this is me and that's you. I almost had a feeling as if like, I was that other person, but I almost just, you know what I'm saying? Like we, we share such a connection of consciousness that we might as well be the same, you know? And that's where, that's what I, not only did I think it, I, I felt it. It was like, you know, it was like a knowingness to me, you know? And it was nothing that, you know, like sometimes you can read a book, like you can read a um, Eckhart Tolle book and, and, you know, he can talk about all this oneness and all these things. And conceptually speaking, you can understand that, right? You can understand what he's talking about, but there's, there's, there's 
you know, just reading it. And then there's a comprehension of it as far as feeling it, you know, and, and me feeling it, it just completely changed my behavior altogether. Oh man. Probably, it was probably like in, um, like 20, 2018. Mm-hmm. And have you yeah, 2018. explored other plant medicines? Has that opened up the desire to want to explore other experiences? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm big into mushrooms, you know, I've had some of my, my biggest like, um, breakthroughs on mushrooms. And, you know, when I say breakthroughs, I'm just talking about that, that perspective you get when, when you're facing a problem or facing a series of problems and you really just can't see around it. And then boom, you do a mushroom. And then all of a sudden you got the answers to the test. Like you knew it all along, you know? And, um, I had a few of those, uh, moment or a few of those trips with mushrooms and the best way i can i can describe you know the comparison between the the entheogens, the entheogens between uh the, the mushrooms and the uh, 5-meo dmt is the 5-meo dmt is um it shows you that like you are the ocean of consciousness right and the mushrooms they show you the rivers and the lakes and the ponds and all the little waterways that leads to that big ocean that shows you how you are that, you know? So through doing mushrooms, I started to um, further journey down the same path of just, you know, losing vices and starting to do, you know, like this, these, like, I guess it's like the knowingness, like some, there's a knowingness that just comes over you and you just know that you should just stop doing certain things. And it's, it's a really weird thing. And it's really, it sounds really crazy to say that some people never had that experience before, but if you have the experience before, you're like, yeah, it is kind of like that. But it's like, you know, like this knowingness just tells you that you need to stop doing something. And one of the things that the knowingness told me um, was uh, when I was on a, like a, one of my, like a big trip, a mushroom trip, it told me that I needed to stop eating meat. And it like, and it like came very strong as like a very strong um, message that I need to stop eating meat. And at first I was like, I just kind of dismissed it a bit because it happened in the trip. You know, there's so many things that happen in the trip, you know, <laughs> your mind goes all over the place and some things stick with you and some things don't. But, you know, it was really weird how, this just kept sticking to me, you know, like not eat meat, not eat meat. Like it's weird. I said, not eat meat, you know, I said, it's killing me. Why not eat meat? And then, um, when I was just sitting around doing almost nothing, almost like when I'm like watching TV or just like surfing on my phone, I would just have, I would just be getting hit with the, like this knowingness of just like vividly telling me why I need to stop eating meat. And it was like, it became so apparent. And then, then the same thing happened to me that happened with alcohol. Like I just lost my taste for meat and then I lost the ability to even want to eat meat. So then it just got, um, it got to the point where I just, I just stopped eating meat. And for like, uh, like a little over a year, I would just eat, you know, mostly fruit, fruit and vegetables, you know? And, and that was, and that was it, you know, now I'm still, I'm a vegetarian, but before I was like, I was like a straight fruitarian. I'll eat nothing but fruit 
and uh, it was a uh, it was a very high vibration diet. Yeah, I'm curious, like what you've really learned about integration in these past few years, and like really the importance of integrating the wisdom that comes through your journeys into your everyday life. Sometimes it feels like, oh, it's easy. You've lost your taste for alcohol. Have there been other places that have really just required consistently showing up every day to implement the changes that you want to see transpire in your life? Yeah. You know, um, just a lot of things with relationships, you know, sometimes, um, you know, uh, you know, sometimes I can be a little bit like, uh, I guess a little lazy in relationships and, and, and not understand that, you know, relationships take work, they take maintenance. And, and sometimes you have to, you have, you have to water relationships like you do, you know, anything you have to give it life, you know? And, um, you know, I, I've, I've made a, 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 I've gotten that over and over again and, and, uh, in many trips. And, you know, it's just one of those things that I've wrote, written down and kind of always go back to whenever it comes back up again. But it's like one of the things that I kind of try to be conscious about. And that's the thing. It's like, whenever I have like one of those trips where I have like this knowingness that just kind of like something stands out, I just try to write down as much as I can. And then, you know, if I keep on having like these reoccurring thoughts, I just write it down and write it down and just analyze what it means. You know, sometimes it's pretty apparent, but then sometimes it just takes a little bit, um, a closer eye on just your, your behavior and just what you do in order to really discover like what, what that message really could have meant. But the integration is, is what it's all about. You know, you, you can, um, you know, that, that's what I call like, you know, just, just holding that gold, right. You want, you want to hold that gold of just that, um, that, that knowledge that you've had from the knowingness. And um, whenever you have like one of those pers- perspective shifting trips, you know, you just feel so fresh that like you can just take on the world. And, and for a while, it feels like there's nothing in the world that can just sink you. But then after a while, if you're not, you know, weeding out your mental garden before you know it, you can find yourself, you know, in, in a world of chaos once again. So, you know, it, it's always good to write down when you have these impactful moments. So that way, when life starts to bombard you again with all the things that it does, you can just go back and just remember. Because that's all it is that we've just forgotten and, and, and we, we always forget because we, we have the tendency to focus on what's right in front of us. And we seem to forget, you know, how things could be because our mind makes a mountain out of things at times. But we just got to remember. Hmm. Hmm. How has it been for you to really step out publicly? Have you received criticism? Were you afraid? I mean, when did you really step out of the psychedelic closet more publicly? Uh, you know, it kind of like it kind of slowly happened, you know, like people kind of, you know, they, they kind of realized I was, I was a wild one already, you know, I was kind of like a party boy already, but, you know, um, it took a while because, you know, the shift was so, so personal and it was so, um, it was so large. It was such, such a big shift for me. It took a while for me to really understand what was going on. You know, for a while, I'm going to be honest, you know, I kind of felt not like myself, you know, I kind of felt like I was somebody else and and I was just for the longest time, you know, just almost in awe of of the the enormity of 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 true existence, you know, and just kind of just, you know, I couldn't help just but think about how long and how many people 
will will never know the truth about existence will go to their grave not knowing what they truly are and what this truly is on a sense of a consciousness level you know and and i'm not saying i know the the the, the death of existence but I, I can say this i know that we're consciousness and i know that this physical body is just a manifestation of this conscious experience that i'm having you know and, and we seem to have it kind of twisted in reality to the fact that we think that this conscious, this physical experience is birthed in this conscious experience, but it's really the other way around, you know? And that's something I can never forget. That's something that, that's just entrenched in, in, in my identity of who I am now. And um, it took a while for me to really sit with that and really try to understand it without overstanding it, you know, not without, without making it to the point where, you know, I got too analytical about it because I came here to forget, right? That, that That's the purpose of existence is to forget. So I can't spoil the whole entire secret. You know what I'm saying? So I still had to maintain a sense of my humanity and I, and I had to come, I had to come down a little bit, you know, like I said, when I, when I first did it, I was on a um, very vibrational, vibrational uh, diet when I was eating a lot of fruit and it almost made me unrelatable to people sometimes just because I was, I was like, I, honestly, I could have went into a monastery and, and meditated all day, every day and been completely happy because that's where I was happy. And I would go sit in my backyard and I would just sit there and meditate and just feel the air and just, you know, just feel the subtle energy around me. And I can really feel it, you know, and I can really feel the subtle energy around, you know, around in, in the biofield, my, 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 my biofield and biophotons on, on other, other living organisms. And that's what I could feel with this high, uh, this high vibrational diet. And um, it, it was cool, but at the same time, it didn't make me relatable. You know, I felt myself getting a little distant from people that were in my life. I'm curious if you're feeling a strong sense of responsibility, especially around as being an influencer with having such a large following and so many people looking up to you and speaking publicly about psychedelics. I mean, I'm sure you've heard Mike Tyson has come out about his toad experience. I don't know if you've seen this article that Tim Ferriss wrote about just how much popularity with these plant medicines and with these experiences, you know, that the toad population is being decimated and Iboga, for example, is becoming uh, in very short supply in the sense that you're leveraging also your, your influence and your platform and, you know, becoming more of a psychedelic advocate. What's that internal process been like for you as, from like a responsibility perspective and, and your own like personal moral ethics here? Yeah. You know, um, you know, I feel a big responsibility to make sure that the message is crafted correctly because, you know, I don't want this to be about what I feel this isn't about. This isn't about just going out, you know, getting high and just trying to, you know, forget your problems. You know, this is about real work. You know, the medicine is just one thing. The real work and the real medicine is after, you know, after the the the, the medicine wears off and then you have to work with you know, whatever uh, message that you got and that whole thing. And that's when the real work begins. But, you know, I, I just try to craft the message as much as I can to be, you know, to, to, to make it um, about, about the work, about self-improvement and about, you know, trying to find that, that, um, that, that place inside you that connects us all, you know, and I feel like that's the thing that, um, 
that that we we need more than anything in our culture. We need we need a message to understand that that our connectiveness is 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 far beyond anything that we can ever conceptualize. No matter your skin color, no no matter what religion or what culture you come from, you know, we're so intrinsically connected. It it is it is it is it's it's unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. And um, the more I can get people to explore that space inside of them because it's inside of us, right? Then I can get them to see it or get them to 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 just you know take a take a glimpse of what they truly are. But like you said, it does. You know, I do believe it does need to be in you know set and setting, right? Because you know when set and setting is taken into account, you know. Um, the healing comes at another level, you know, because when you're in a good setting, right, you're in a group and you're in a circle. Um, sometimes when, when you're in uh, having a psychedelic experience, you may not get what you think you wanted out of medicine. But the funny thing happens when you're in a circle is that, you know, somebody else's medicine becomes your medicine. And you hear somebody's experience and you hear them talk and you start to, you know, listen to, you know, something that bothers them. And it's just like, I'll be goddamn when somebody starts speaking, it, it actually, you know, it's kind of reflecting something that I can relate to. And I'm hearing how they're dealing with it. And then it's almost as if like, you know, God or is talking through that person to me saying, hey, you know, you know this problem that you've been trying to face and you didn't really think? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what you should do. And you're gonna hear it from somebody else's voice. And, and that's what, being in the circles about that's what the set and setting is about and also you know when you do it in the set and setting you start to learn the respect for the medicine and you start to learn the respect for for where it came from and and the culture behind it and i feel like when when you don't understand the culture behind it when you don't understand what it's truly about from its genesis point of view then it makes it easier to violate it by you know, by, by just raping it to try to make a cash profit, you know, because this is not what it is it's about at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you talked to Mike Tyson about his toad experience? Uh-huh. Yeah, I have. Me and, me and Mike, are, we're pretty cool. And, um, you know, Mike is the most outspoken and uh, just a great advocate for the toad, you know, and some of the things that he shares about his experience and what the toad has, you know, uncovered in himself, you know, um, is brave, you know, is brave because, you know, he's able to take that experience with the toad and he's able to face himself time after time after time again. And, um, he's not afraid of the answers he's going to get, you know, and, 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 and that means to me, you know, he's, he's living in, in in his you know in his what was right to him you know he's living he's living in his righteousness when he's when when, when you're able to just face yourself and face yourself and, and just you know not be afraid to do it you know um mike tyson has has been able to get back to fighting now because of the toad you know i think it's because of the toad you know because the toad allowed him to get perspective on something that he really loved you know you look at mike tyson mike tyson was you know, a 19-year-old heavyweight champion, one of the, the youngest heavyweight champion of the world. And his 
rise to the top was, you know, meteoric and it was just, you know, one of the best fighters of all time. And he had, you know, a lot of ups and downs in that space and boxing and fighting had a very negative connotation to him just because of all of the, the, the bitter that came with the sweet, you know, and uh, he wanted nothing to do with it, but it was through his usage and through um, understanding himself, you know, breaking down that ego over and over again by using a toad that he truly got the perspective to see why he didn't want to compete. And then he moved beyond that because he's seen that it wasn't about him, you know, him competing. It was about his behavior that came along with it. And so then now he just was able to just, you know, compete for the pureness of it all, you know, and that's where he's, that's where he's gained the most that by using a toad is just being able to get back to truly who he is without the guilt of it. Mm-hmm. And where are you at with your offerings? I mean, has this inspired a new path for you? Where are you at with your career? Uh, well, I'm, I'm retired right now. Um, I do, uh, you know, I'm an analyst. I work with uh, ESPN and I also work with CBS. And, you know, I have a couple other gigs that I do here and there. But I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a coach too. I'm a coach as well. I got a, 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 a few guys that I'm, you know, professional athletes, foot fighters that I'm bringing up and um, I'm on the verge or, or I guess in the process of starting, starting a team. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just taking my time with it. You know what I'm saying? I feel as if like um, there's so much that has happened within the last few years, you know, just with me alone and then not even adding in everything that happened in with the world. It's just been a time for me to just kind of um, mentally just be aware and just kind of take some things in and, um, you know, see the opportunities that I need to see in order to, um, you know, get to where I truly want to be and where I truly want to be. Me and Dale talk about this all the time. Uh, me, Dale Jolly, um, I want to sit in circle every day. You know, I want to sit in circle every day and just, you know, um, you know, be there, be, be the medicine, you know, and, and uh, and help people really just try to figure out like the essence of, of themselves and in, in, in existence for, you know, I feel as if like we've, we've gotten into a world where we focus on everything except for what it's truly about. You know, we focus on all these things in a material sense, but we all know that these material things are just material things and, and we can't take any of it with us. And, and we've become spiritually poor because we cult- cultivated everything that was material. And we can't find any satisfaction in that, you know? And I feel like there's a rebirth that's coming, a rebirth of conscience, a rebirth of reconnectedness, you know, uh, with humanity and, and its soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really more what I was pointed to in terms of like when I said your career, you know, it's like where, what new birthing is <laughs> yeah. happening? What new offering is happening? And, and so what's, are, are you just feeling like patient in the process or what is potentially stopping you from really holding counsel and holding circle with your community more regularly? Um, well, it's just, you know, just kind of, I guess, putting all the pieces together, right? You know, I have a lot of uh, a lot of things still 
um, still a lot, 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 lot of, I guess, irons in a fire, right? And I'm just trying to, you know, kind of consolidate some things because I'm, I'm somebody who wears a lot of hats and um, I'm trying to just really just kind of narrow it down to just maybe one or two hats that I like to wear the most, you know? And uh, because coming from fighting, these last few years from fighting, I just been idling my life down. You know, I just been idling my life down from being this on the go athlete and really don't have a lot of two time to do all these different things and having everybody do everything for you. And then, you know, once you do that for so long, you kind of forget how to do a lot, right? <laughs> yeah, having everybody do everything for you, you kind of forget how you do do things. So, you know, there's a time at, you know, for me it was, there's a time for me uh, where I was just, you know, getting getting back to to taking care of me again, you know, taking care of all the aspects in the life where I was, you know, I, I gave it up to somebody else to do because I was busy in other areas. Well, now I'm retired from fighting, you know, it, it freed up, you know, uh, you know, 40 something weeks of the year, right? Or 30 something weeks of the year. And now I can um, really focus on other things and start to, you know, focus on, you know, the relationship with my children and just kind of just, you know, find a way to be there more. And, it, and it's been very hard for me, but I'm, you know, that's what, that's my main goal. Hmm. So that sounds like one growth edge. Yeah. I was going to ask you, you know, and I know this is really personal question, but I'm curious, like where you are leaning into your own edge right now, you know, where are you facing either fear or your own limitations, your own limiting beliefs? Like where's your edge right now? You know, my, my edge is, I guess is, you know, I just, um, I'm driven to want to succeed in in other areas outside of the cage. You know, I really want to succeed in business. You know, I've been, um, you know, working on a few different projects. You know, uh, one is a glove company and one is a um, is a supplement company, functional mushroom company that that we we've, we've been working on. But those are the kind of things that I want to succeed in. Because, you know, it's one thing to be successful as an athlete, but it's another thing to be successful in, in your business life and really start to set some things up. So that's that's where my drive is at. You know, I feel as if like um, there are some things that, you know, uh, I, I need to tighten up and, and there's some things that I'm looking to um, really bring into order. So I, I guess that's where my edge is that, you know, I'm really just trying to, you know, um, to really find my way in an ever-changing world, right? Because this world that we're living in, it, it's changing and none of us really truly know where uh, where where it's gonna stop, right? So in a sense, we're all just trying to find uh, that area that, that that is gonna be, that, that we can really find living again because, you know, life is different now. And, and, and um, I don't know what's gonna happen with everything that's happening with, uh, you know, this whole COVID situation and, you know, the, the, the political aspect of it. And, you know, are they going to allow us to, you know, go back to how things were, or do we have to, you know, psychologically get ready for a whole new world? And really, what does that look like? You know, so these are all things that I think about, you know, I'm, 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 um, I'm driven by the mindset of, you know, you gotta, you gotta grind and all these things, but, I'm also cognizant and aware that that mindset and that paradigm may be 
a little bit antiquated for the world that we that we're moving into where you know we might not have that much control who knows you know Mm -hmm. i just mentally get myself ready for whatever world we might face in right and so if you had to sort of think ahead what kind of mindset do you think you know is necessary for a future i mean experts call this a vuca world i talk about this quite a lot because i'm in the the creative problem solving psychedelic space that niche of yeah. optimal performance through cognitive enhancement and you know we know we live in a world that's marked by volatility uncertainty complexity and ambiguity and so yeah i'm curious like what kind of mindset do you think you know is necessary um you know for me i've been uh i've been really working on the mindset of just just letting go. And it sounds like, it sounds, it sounds like, you know, I don't know, it it may not sound like the best thing to do, but for me, I think that um, letting go of, of what I thought that I can control. Right. And, and, and just really just understanding the fact of where my control really lies and, and, and really finding strength in that, and not in what I can't control. Like for instance, like I can't control what's gonna happen as far as, you know, in the world tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? That's gonna affect me in some kind of way where I may not be able to travel to work or all these different things. But I can control how I respond, how I mentally, you know, handle all those situations. If I let it bother me or if I just kind of like, you know, go inside and really hold that space inside without allowing the fear of what may happen, you know, you know, get to me. And um, the more and more I've just been really just sitting with that feeling of just like, um, of just tapping into that, that quiet control inside of me and really just allowing the chaos around me just to be the chaos around me and not allowing that to penetrate deeply who I am. The more I've been doing that, the, the, the better I've been feeling on, on a mental level because, you know, it's getting me to let go of that fear, that fear of, of holding on to the things that, that I've acquired in this life, all the things that, you know, I, I'm afraid to lose, you know, my family, my friends and, and, and um, you know, all these things that I'm afraid to lose. And um, I just realized the truth of the matter is that, um, I don't really have these things. That's the reality. I don't really have these things. You know what I'm saying? I'm able to take part in them, but they're not mine. They're not mine to keep. And and I'm just and I'm just experiencing it. And the more I I tell myself that, you know, that these are not your things, you know, the easier it is to just have that mindset to know that I can't let it go and I can be okay. And um you know, when you think about it, it's kind of a, a cold kind of feeling, a cold kind of thought, but it's really the truth of the matter, you know, and, and it's the truth that if we all faced, then then we'll be a lot better off. One of the, the shifts for me that's been really helpful is to shift out the word control for influence. Like, what can I influence and mm-hmm. how can I show up to be right. in this like co-creative dynamic? And yeah, even just that word shift has just opened up a completely different world for me in the way that I show up to interact with my world around me and what I can influence and where I don't want to put my influence. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, like in your, I mean, as a fighter, I'm sure you sustained multiple head injuries. Um, have you been looking into the research around brain injuries and psychedelics? I mean, have you noticed that your own journeys have helped you uh, improve your own cognitive function? Yeah. So like, uh, probably a few years ago before I retired, I was trying to do a fight in New York and they wouldn't let me fight. They wouldn't let me fight because they said I had a, um, I did an MRI and MRI came back and it said I had like a a brain injury. So then I had to do like a bunch of different, you know, uh, cognitive tests. And then I finally went out to Pittsburgh and seen the doctor who did the movie, uh, concussion, you know, who, who was based on, on concussion. And, um, he looked at it and he said, he's seen that, um, the injury that they seen was an old injury. It's called a contra coup. And a contra coup happens. Like if you hit your head, the back of your head on something, well, the front of your head will hit it and then pull back into the into the form, like a suction in the front of your skull, you know, and they call that a contra coup and it, it'll, it'll cause like a, a bleed or a bruise or some kind of uh, mark or scarring, right? So we've seen that and he said, you know, you've had it, I've had it since the beginning of my career. So he um, he gave me the, the, the okay to fight, but, you know, once I had that whole situation happen, the reality of of, uh, of what I was putting my body through just really kicked in, you know, it, it got really scary to the point where it is like, you know, you know, I can never fight again. And, you know, they were looking to maybe even um, potentially do surgery and all these different things. And it, it got really real at that point. Um, and that's when I really started just thinking about like, what was life going to be like afterwards? You know, when I slowed down and um, was I going to have those cognitive issues and, you know, how was, how was I going to be? So uh, when, when I started, um, like really start digging in on the research uh, of the psychedelics. I, I was uh, reading that it can help out with, you know, with, with uh, you know, neurogenesis and neuroplasticity and all those different things. So um, when I started doing it, I was really surprised to really start feeling the gains from it. You know, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was crazy because, and I say I was feeling the gains from it because it wasn't like, I was just like, wow, I feel smarter. It was like my interest in everything changed. You know, I was, you know, I was listening to more classical music and I, and I was, you know, it was, I liked, I was, you know, I couldn't get enough of reading books and I couldn't get enough of devouring information. And it was like, um, you know, it, that's what I would do. I would buy like a bunch of books and I read a bunch of books and I have a couple of books reading at the same time. And um, it really started to, to, uh, to light my brain up. And um, I really feel like the mushrooms with the functional mushrooms, the lion's mane and the cordyceps and stuff like that, that really, really helped me out. Like I had like this routine that I would do like after, like, cause when you spar sometimes, like if you spar really hard, you might be really foggy for like a day or two. If you go hard and get banged up a lot. So what I started to do was I would, um, I would spar and then I would do like a, a pretty good microdose. And then I'll do like some lion's mane too. And I would do that for like a couple of days after I sparred. And then like, you know, a few days later, I was just like sharp and firing again. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I I, I like I like the microdose. I, I used to like, um, you know, uh, sometimes I'd even microdose and then go on train. You know, it just it just made me feel like um, that much more locked in in training. You know, and and microdose has been one of those things that that it just kind of you know, it just lights my brain up. Like when I do a good microdose, I just feel like as if like it just kind of makes a lot of things just come very clear and makes my brain just function and, you know, mm-hmm. fire at an uh, insane rate. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed any parallels between the flow state experience when you're fighting and having similar feeling states with psychedelic journeys? Yeah. Yeah, I have. I have. Um, that's what. That's why the uh, the mushrooms were such a a, a a familiar feeling to me, you know. Like, like when you like when you have that feeling, like when you're in the zone and when you're fighting or something like that, it's almost like an out of body experience. Where to the point where you're just like you're watching yourself, and you're not even thinking. You're just kind of just reacting, and you're just doing it, and your body's just in sync with your breath and you're just in this flow and it, and it just doesn't seem hard to do anything, you know, really complex movements. You do it in a second without even thinking about it. And it's just like, when you're feeling that flow, it just feels like there's nothing in the world that can stop you. And I, and I felt that, and I felt that on mushrooms uh, before as well too, where you just kind of like, you know, like you're 10 steps ahead in thought and, you know, you just kind of feel as if like, you know, everything is just going so smooth and it feels as if like, you know, uh, you can't mess up, you know, I've I felt that before. And that's when I know, like, you know, I'm going to have a good one where I, where I actually, you know, start having some perspective shift in the moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm curious, just a couple more questions before we wrap up here, but do you have advice yeah. for other athletes who are listening to this, who are also, you know, I, I also know that that experience, although I was much younger when I went through my first sort of identity crisis, I was raised as an athlete too. And then, uh, I stopped playing, I stopped competing in my late teens and that was really hard. And I can just imagine what that's like for athletes who train their whole lives in their thirties and forties. And what, what advice do you have for people who are coming to you and asking you for your advice on seeking out these experiences to help them transition out of their careers? Yeah. You know, um, for me, what led me to the mushrooms was, uh, you know, I lost, I lost connection with my why, you know, that, that why I was, I was fighting, you know, and and that deeper why was, um, excuse me, was something that I was so connected with because, um, it was my motivation. You know, it was, it was, it was the, the dark passenger to help me, you know, win some fights that maybe I was out of, you know, it was, it was the, 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 the energy that helped me step on the line and, and make that walk to the octagon where maybe I was a little too afraid, you know, um, and, and understanding, you know, where I lost my why was something that I just couldn't with my sober mind wrap my head around. I just couldn't do it, you know, and being able to have the perspective shift, with using the psychedelics, it allowed me to see, you know, even get to the essence of my why, why my why is my why, you know what I'm saying? It got to the beginning of everything. And I feel like athletes can, can get a big use out of that, you know, because, you know, 
after you do something for a while and you get paid for it, it becomes a job, right? And there's a different feeling when you're doing a job versus doing something you love. Even if you're doing something you love, that becomes a job. You know, at some point, if it becomes a job, you're not going to be doing it the same passion as you did when it was just about the love, you know? So truly understanding that love, truly understanding that motivation behind it, it is, is really the, the, the true gold in everything that we do, right? But it's, it's the easiest thing to misplace or lose just through repetition, you know? And, and once I was able to really get that perspective, I was able to nail down a few things. And I feel like if people, you know, are in a position where they just like feel like they're just, you know, um, spinning their tires, you know, a good perspective shift to just tap into their why can do them so good because your why may not even be your why, you know what I'm saying? What you think your why is, you know, and, and, and that self-discovery will help you discover yourself on a deeper level. I think we can't be afraid to, to really dig deep. And that's the reason why I even say, um, you know, anything with psychedelics anyways, because if, if, th- if we lived in a different culture and, and culturally speaking, we grew up meditating and we grew up with all those different disciplines that help you understand that there's a true value for going in, then I would say that would be the way to do it. But we don't live in that culture. We don't live in that culture where we can even understand that's even a true possibility. I mean, granted, you know, a, a steady mind can definitely find its way and get a lot out of just meditating without the psychedelics. Do not get me wrong. But for a guy like myself, it was it was almost impossible to even have that realization until I've done the psychedelics. So once you, you do the psychedelics, you start to to go inside and really start to, to discover something in yourself that that you realize that. That's why there's so many things around you. That's why there's so many flashing lights. That's why everybody's trying to get your attention because they don't want you to go inside. Because if you go inside, then you shut everything else out, then they lose control. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's just a matter of, of just getting people to, to really seek, go inside and find that why. Yeah. And so what is the why of the why of your why? <laughs> What is the why of my why? Ah, oh, man, it, it's uh, it's 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 in the effort. It's really just in the effort. Like, and I say that like um, like when I whenever I train, right? It's always in the effort of doing it, and it's not in the admiration of what I've done. <laughs> and I've and I for the longest time started admiring the effects versus just the effort mm-hmm. and then pretty soon the effort wasn't good enough it was all about the effects but then i skipped the line because if i don't put forth that effort then i can't get the effects out of it that i want you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. i really started to just look at my effort and really started to pay attention to finding peace finding the victory in that effort and if I found the victory and found the peace and the effort, then how it was judged and how it came out to be, whether it win or loss, it doesn't matter. I found the victory in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I'm curious to end on um, what you think of when you hear the word psychedelic leadership, this concept, psychedelic leadership. What does that make you think of? Oh, man. Um, psychedelic leadership, I think it, you know, it means like, uh, you know, leadership that that um, truly understands the psychedelic aspect of of where where things need to go. You know, I mean, I feel as if like, you know, with the psychedelics, you know, you understand and you come to to have a grace with them because you know and you respect their power, right? And and you and you almost have like a yielding, you know, respect for it where you understand the fact that, you know, these mushrooms or, you know, this secretion from a toad or, you know, this root from a, a vine, you know, you start to accept it, you start to respect it in, in a way that um, allows you to teach others how to respect it the way it should be, you know? And um, that's what I think of when I think of the psychedelic leadership. And, you know, when, when it comes to, you know, being a voice in the psychedelic community, you know, I hold that uh, responsibility, you know, fairly high because I know there's a lot of fear around this. And I know there's a lot of misinformation around this. And there's not a lot of people who, who who's willing to share their experiences or really know how to share their experiences, verbally speaking, that other people can understand. So um, if I have a message, I try to craft it in a way with, with that understanding, you know? And, um, you know, you know, also psychedelic leadership to me, you know, is, is not, it's not being judgmental. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not, it's not having coming from this paradigm mind thinking it has to be this way. It has to be that way. You know, you have a, a leniency with it because, you know, that's, that's what the psychedelics teach you. It teaches you that there's, you know, to, to, to release the control. I love that. That's where you brought that. You know, when I launched the podcast, a lot of people who hear psychedelic leadership think of, you know, people stepping up as leaders in the psychedelic space. And of course, you know, that's such a strong element of it. But really, the initial impetus was this notion that we can apply what we learn from psychedelics to become more heart centered leaders. You know, and so looking at that, and I love like non-judgment is such a, an amazing example of that. So thank you for sharing. And, and here's another thing uh, is I think that these medicines, you know, they, they are like, um, they're here to teach us. They're here to make us remember, you know, um, if you, you know, like mushrooms, uh, there, there, there's a mushroom that, that makes an ant eat it and or insect eat it. And when it eats it, it climbs up to a roof and it climbs to its highest point And then it just dies, but then spores bust mm -hmm. out of his head. Right. And it, you know, it becomes a thing to, you know, get the spores out. But it's it's that that mushroom that just you know that just symbiote just took over that that mm -hmm. that organism and really just showed them something. And I feel like sometimes when we when we take the mushroom, it it's it's symbiotic nature just shows us shows us the the knowledge that we've forgotten. You know because you you, you take these uh, these these mushrooms and they have such a connection with Earth. They're like the they're like the um, I guess the the adapters, right? They they help all these in, in in a forest. You see, like you know, forest, and there's like a push, patch of mushrooms that help all of these uh, interconnectedness, right? All the root systems communicate better, right? And so at some point, you have these mushrooms 
that just like entrenched with this knowledge of of what happened in all existence because you know these trees know these trees are intelligent these trees are conscious mm-hmm. and we eat them and it's just like we just get a, a a dose of of just that reality of just like what existence truly is in a sense that we can even conceptualize as human beings because we've become a stranger to to existence because we built a world on top of nature and then we divorced ourselves from nature you know and and the mushroom it gets us to go home to say no 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 you're not you're not this you're not these buildings you're not these suits you're not all these things that you've made as human beings you're us you're nature could you have imagined yourself even five years ago saying this, being an advocate for Gaia? No, I can't even imagine, man. This, this to me back then was like foo-foo talk. You know, I would turn it if I heard somebody talking like me. I'm like, man, what is this guy? No, this guy, this guy is on something, you know? I can't understand that. But now it just makes sense to me. You know, now mm. it just makes sense to me. Mm. Beautiful. Let's let's wrap up on making sense. That sounds like a good place to end. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a great sense. Thank you very much. Before we wrap up, is there anything else, Rashad, that you'd love to share with the audience, with our listeners? Anything you'd like to close on? Um, Yes. You know, I want everybody to check out uh, Unlimited Sciences and see if you can enroll in our study and share your psychedelic experiences. You know, um, you know, we're really trying to compile some information to really help people, you know, and others who may not have the experience have better trips and, and really put together some information. So when, when we do team up and have a study that we can actually put the efforts in the right area so that we can get the most out of these studies. But, um, you know, if we can build uh, of, you know, help build that, uh, that, that network of information, it, it just serves so many people. And, um, you know, I just want to thank everybody who, you know, who's on this journey with me and uh, those who are even not, you know, those who who, who are yet to come. Uh, this this journey of self-discovery is um, is not a destination driven journey. It's one where you are constantly discovering. And, um, you know, no matter, you know, how how old you are in the in the, in the psychedelic game, there's always things that that you can learn, because, like I said, you, you never arrive until you actually arrive mm-hmm. and, and then the maybe end, you right? never and maybe you never even arrive <laughs> um, right and maybe you never arrive right right yeah mm, that's beautiful thank you so much you know may may your message ripple out far and wide and support the awakening of humanity yes may I hope it does and um anybody who's going through some things right now just um remember there's a place that you can go and when you go there, you're going to find healing, but you got to be brave to go. Mm-hmm. And it's right in here. Mm-hmm. It's right inside, okay? So remember, when you feel like you just can't do it anymore, you just got to go inside. You're going to be all right. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. Thank you so much. I'm proud of Thank you. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Aloha. Hi, friends. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast. If you've been enjoying the show, I would so appreciate it if you could share it with a friend or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or leave me a review on iTunes. If you'd like to be in touch, feel free to reach out through my website, livefreelauraD.com. Send me a message on Instagram at livefreelauraD.com 
or come tune in and check out some of the conversations that we're having on Clubhouse. And you can find me at, you guessed it, Live Free Laura D. I'm going to be leaving this episode off with a song called Walk With Me by Goldford. Once again, my name is Laura Dawn, and you're listening to the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast. Until next time. Walk with me. I'll walk with you. Down these troubled roads we've stumbled into. We're all in this thing together. We're gonna make it through. If you walk with me, I'll walk with you. Be there for me, I'll be there for you. When we're riding out of hope, when we don't know what to do. Like a candle in the darkness, shining bright and true. Be there for me, I'll be there for you. Oh, everything. It's gonna be, gonna be, gonna be alright, everything It's gonna be alright, alright you and me got better days coming, yeah, everything It's gonna be alright Walk with me, I walk with you I know the rain of today We'll bring tomorrow's bloom Where we can't see where we're going What the world is coming to You walk with me I'll walk with you